Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett a man who continuously refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that I call mobile service teen correspondent is not across the table from me. He is on the internet and across he is, the GTA. Yeah. He's across the GTA. I'm i uh, I'm, I'm in a different city. We're doing this remotely once again, because of COVID-19, but we have a few interesting things to talk about this week. I don't think there's anything like super, tech news wise, you'll, you'll see that when we get to the hottest news of the week section, but there's some creative topics for you. Yeah. There's um, no so, like new products, but we're just sort of like going into some other fun things we're working on on the side. I think. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's enough of an intro. I think, uh, Brad, do you want to hit the hottest news of the week? Uh, so first up is just the Apple and Google, uh, COVID-19 tracking stuff i guess that's rolled out for developers now so they can start uh using it and that basically that means it'll come to people soon i think within the next probably two weeks you think yeah canada specifically like uh canada specifically hasn't said whether or not they're going to take advantage of it because it's very much up to uh the different health bodies in countries regarding like whether or not they want to utilize contact tracing Mm-hmm. So we haven't heard anything yet. There's probably going to be an announcement, I would guess, in the next couple of weeks. Um, there has to be one for sure by the time yeah. the feature becomes publicly available. So that's it's kind of up in the air. We'll have to see. But I mean, it's it's an interesting, somewhat scary thing that Apple and Google are doing to an extent. That's what I was going to say. Like, are you excited about it or scared? If it does come here, I think I'm scared. Like, I don't want to walk outside, go to groceries, come home, and then it'd be like, bing. Oh, yeah. I'm in contact with coronavirus. They'd be like, well, what do I do now? Now do I go to the hospital and just wait? Like, I don't know. No, I don't know. That's what I mean. Like, it it just opens up a lot more fear, I guess. You know, bliss. Ignorance is bliss. And taking that away, I guess, is safer. But, you know, that's how I feel. Next news story, though. Moving on. Crave, Canada's premier. If not only, maybe only. No, CBC Gem is here. Canada's premier high-end. Uh, streaming service Crave has finally gotten 5.1, bringing it up to the high-end quality from about eight years ago um, because it still doesn't do 4K. But 5.1 is here, so if you have surround sound, certain uh, Crave titles, which I think between you and I, we kind of assume it's mostly HBO and some other... Yeah, I think I think it's mostly HBO stuff and some of the other premium content. I, c- I can't remember specifics, of course, because now I'm on a podcast, but there was some shows that I tried that did not have 5.1. I remember noticing it on Barry, the HBO show Barry. So it seems it seems like HBO and HBO would have five point one baked into stuff already. I would imagine. So I I first noticed it actually. I think probably two weeks ago. I've been watching the show The Plot Against America, um, mm-hmm. which is really good. Everyone should check it out. 
and it had 5.1. So that's when that's what like prompted me to reach out to Bell and be like, so is this a feature that exists? Which always confuses me because like so many other countries, uh, sorry, so many other platforms just shoot out information all the time, right? Every time there's a new feature. Mm-hmm. But with Crave, you kind of have to pull it from Bell, which I've always found a little strange. Yeah, we get we get like Crave app, like the Roku people being like, hey, Crave's on Roku. And be like, well, we know the Bell really well we talked to bell people all the time with <laughs> walking the bell people didn't tell us but yeah it's weird beyond that this one's not really canadian specific but the pixel buds which is google's alternative or competitor to airpods and amazon and microsoft's wireless truly wireless headsets are now available in white in the states not available in canada yet but all the features are you know you can look up online learn about them and it presumably they'll end up being here soon since they're in the states now yeah, I reached out to Google um, thinking that maybe they'd have a more elaborate statement, but it was the same thing, that they have nothing to announce at this time. My guess is it's either COVID-19 related, that's the, the delay, but more likely it probably has something to do with uh, French language support. I know that's why it took a while for Alexa mm-hmm. and Echo devices to come here and other um, wireless earbuds that have voice-activated assistant uh, connectivity. So that's my guess. I don't know for sure. I would expect probably by the fall they'll be coming here. It seems to me like it's 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 likely that just because that holds up everything in Canada, plus probably yep. production delays because they're only selling them in white makes me think that they're not getting production up to where they want it to be. They look really cool, though. I read um, some of the coverage on other tech blogs and like I, I I'm frustrated with the AirPods Pro, as I've talked about on Twitter and mm-hmm. all over the place. Anytime someone mentions them, um, there, there was an update probably, I guess it was a few months ago that kind of ruined the noise cancellation. So until those get fixed, I'm ready to try a different pair of wireless Bluetooth headphones. And yeah, and based upon what was announced but not released last year, we should have competitors from Google, Microsoft, and Amazon all coming out this year. So it should be an exciting year for headphone competition. Um, in some somber news, Fudora pulled out of Canada, citing too much competition and entrenched like local markets. So Fudora is not uh, not offering delivery here, or won't in May. I think it's like May sixth or something that they stop. As of May sixth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I I never used Fudora, not a single time. I had it a handful of times. I ended up having all the apps like Fudora, Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and. I want to say there's one other one, but I can't think of it. Um, but yeah, I would use it's rich it. ritual, but it's like a little different. Yeah, that's true. Ritual. Um, At work, I use I use ritual the rare time that I I buy lunch when we're in the office, which who knows when that's going to be again. And like I live pretty far out of the city now, so the only food delivery services that are supported out here are Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's sad to see an option go because I just I like having options. I like having the competition. Um, one thing that they didn't note net. One thing they didn't mention in their press releases when they talked about going under is the Fudora workers were fighting to unionize or did unionize. I don't, rec- I didn't write that story, but I recall taking a picture for it. So that could have something to do with them pulling out of Canada. You know, maybe the workers unionized, they just can't afford it. Coronavirus happens. They're like, just whatever, we're done. And they just leave. Ritual, ritual had significant layoffs too. And then the news from today is just Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ubisoft Montreal, if I'm correct. Yeah. Ubisoft Montreal developed newest Assassin's Creed game. Looks really amazing. Will be on next gen and current gen coming out in the holiday season. Vikings, you know, Assassin's Creed. 
heavy on the RPG aspects, though, like Origins and Odyssey that came before it. it seems. Which I like. I, I think that's cool. I know some people feel that that's not like what Assassin's Creed is, but that's part of what got me back into the series. I think for me with this game specifically, the thing that I'm excited about is the fact that um, Black Flag, it was my favorite Assassin's Creed ever uh, with Odyssey coming in a close second. Ubisoft Montreal developed Black Flag, right? So this is their sequel in a way to that game. So I'm excited to see what they do. I think setting it in like the Viking era of history is interesting. If you've ever watched like Vikings on the History Channel, which is really bad now, but at one point was a great show. There's a lot of interesting stories that can be told in that uh, that era of the world. It's like set in like uh, medieval or dark ages Europe as well, it seems like. So there's yeah. definitely going to be like the most like traditional fantasy aspects in an Assassin's Creed game, I think. Oh, and, and one cool thing that I didn't expect at all was kind of in the fine print of the press release that dropped today, which won't be when you're listening to this podcast. You'll be listening to it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But on as as of Thursday on the in this press release, there was information related to the fact that the game is going to smart delivery, I believe is what Microsoft's calling it. So if you buy um, Valhalla for the original Xbox, and then you upgrade to the Xbox Series X, which is still coming out this fall, you can still use that same copy of the game. You don't have to get another copy, which is something that was like, I think back in the day, a pretty huge issue for uh, the next gen systems. Like I played Assassin's Creed 4 on, I think I got it for the Xbox 360. No, no, I got it. I got it for the PS4 initially from Ubisoft, reviewed it did the whole thing with it. And then it dropped on, uh, no, the PS3. And then it dropped on the PS4 and you, it required two different versions of the game. Right. So that's something mm-hmm. that won't be, a, won't happen with this new Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I had a similar issue with uh, Breath of the Wild when it came out going from Wii U to Switch, having to buy it twice. Sucked. I forgot that game came out on the Wii U. Yeah. I forgot about the Wii U. Forever in our hearts, but not our memories. Yeah. So, oh, and then the last piece of news before we step away for good. Just Xbox Series X uh, game reveal May seventh, so that's is that a week from today. Uh, I believe so. I believe that's a week so. From, yeah. yeah. So a week from today, we're gonna get our first look at Xbox Series X games. I don't think they shared any game specifics. Um, so it, it won't be anything first party. That's what's kind of disappointing. So we're not gonna oh, see Halo really? Infinite. We're not gonna see any of the big like built from the ground up for the Series X games for for so the Series X. We're probably gonna uh, we'll, see Assassin's Creed then. 100% Valhalla is going to be there, uh, which is cool because I mean, the trailer yeah, that we saw, too. the trailer that we saw today, like I, I don't know if that was entirely CG. I think, I think it, it was. was. I think it was a mix of both. That's my guess. Hmm. Um, but this will be like actual gameplay. So we'll see what the game looks like live and in action running on the next gen console. Yeah. Um, I'm ex- I'm interested to start seeing games coming out uh, so we can compare current gen with next gen because I'm like, I guess you kind of came with PC, but, you know, not, it's not exactly the same. And I'm excited to see what the real improvements are. Um, but that's it for sort of the news. So our main topic this week, which the more I think about it, the funnier it kind of is, is we decided that we wanted to talk about what our home office setups are like and how we've kind of adapted to this new working from home world. I know between uh, Brad and I and there's other members of the mobile SERP team, we've been slowly like either going into the mobile SERP office and 
grabbing one or two things that we need to make our setup more comfortable at home, buying stuff on Amazon, things like that. So I, like I mean, just to, things a lot too. <laughs> reorganizing things. I know I've talked to you off the podcast quite a bit about the, the various things that I've done over the last little bit. Um, but Brad, do you, do you want to kick things off and talk about anything that you've changed uh, in your office to make it a little more comfortable to, to work from home? Yeah. First of all, uh, keyboard and mouse went into the office, like the work, our mobile syrup office got my actual keyboard, which is like a Logitech MX Keys keyboard. Um, and it's super, super good. It's a chiclet style keyboard, kind of like Apple's like Mac Pro keyboards, um, backlit. You can connect it to three devices sort of simultaneously. There's like a one, two, three button along the top. So like one for me is my Windows PC, and then two is my Mac, and three is a Chromebook. So I can just like, if I have all three computers at the desk, I can swap between them really efficiently. So I have a, didn't mean to cut you off, but I have a keyboard that does the same thing. It's called the K850, the Logitech K850. And I have never, ever been able to get that feature to work. It can connect to three different devices simultaneously and it does not work. And when I do get it to work with um, my MacBook, I can't connect it to anything else. Really, I have the my I have the MX Master mouse as well, and it has the same thing, and it works perfectly. Like it's just. I wish I could do that. If I didn't have that feature, I don't know what I would be doing. Like I would have to be repairing every time. I would be losing my mind. I probably so I use switch the, between twice a day. I use the universal adapter. I just like pull it out the US mm. the little USB dongle, pull it out, pop it into my PC, pop it to wherever it needs to go for whatever device I'm using. So it's not that bad, but it just kind of sucks that this thing has this functionality that I. I can't use fair enough um the other thing i guess is monitor stands so like i went into work and got my monitor stand but alex ordered one um both of us have been using monitor stands and keyboards a lot more just because like the first few weeks of quarantine we're working from the couch and like laying in bed and other less than ideal uh working positions so now i'm going to try to work more in our like posture using the monitor stands using the keyboards just keeping uh, more comfortable and i so this is like something that would raise the height of your monitor to kind of make it more eye level yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of brings the, or laptop stand, I guess is the better word, sorry. Laptop stand. You know what I'm talking about? We yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but it's the laptop stand. Essentially, it's a little platform, put your laptop on it, raises it up about six or seven inches, um, bringing the screen more eye level so you don't have to like bend down as much. Um, the only issue is it's tricky to use the keyboard because it's raised up about six inches. So you have to have an external keyboard. An external um, and then getting into the big dog, where we, I know we both sort of have been excited <laughs> about monitor arms. We both bought monitor arms for our, our external displays at home. Um, and I'll let you start because yours is sort of like the Doc Octopus or Doc Ock uh, from Spider-Man setup that you've got. And yeah, so. I I have like a pretty big monitor. I'll talk about that later. It's I think it's 32 inches. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of the arm itself, I looked at a bunch of different types of them. I was going to go with a cheaper one. I was going to go with something that just held the monitor. And then I decided, like, if I'm going to do this, like, just drop the $160 or whatever it cost me and get something that's, like, going to do everything that I need so I don't have to get another one in the future. So this monitor arm, which <laughs> after I tweeted about it, <laughs> I don't even have that many followers, but after I tweeted about it, it's sold out on Amazon. So it's called... Um, the Shopping All, which is a hilarious name for a company. Is that the brand? Yeah, it's the brand Shopping All. Fully adjustable, dual gas spring, two-in-one monitor and laptop or dual monitor mount stand with two swing arms for 15-inch to 32-inch monitors. 
Uh, so it's got a long name, but I, I'm and I didn't really know what to expect. I've never used the monitor arm before. Basically, um, it latches onto the corner of my desk at the back, and it allows me to flip my large 32 inch monitor around in different positions. I can put it vertically. I can put it horizontally. I can pull it up when I want it a little higher. If I'm playing video games, I can pull it down lower when I'm sort of concentrating on editing work or writing. Um, and then on the left hand side, I have my MacBook Pro sitting on the other arm, which kind of looks like a monitor stand like what you got, but it's it's just elevated and it's sitting above um, above the desk. So this gives me more real estate under my desk to like place all of my other stupid gadgets that I don't really need, like a, a wireless smartphone charger or the, the tiny, um, echo show or like my Sonos one speaker. Um, and the thing I have a monitor arm too, although I have the, the base level Amazon basics one. And the thing that I like is you can push it back against the wall to sort of clear out the space. You know, like, okay, I'm working, you know, pull it out three or four inches. So it's, it's sitting comfortably in front of me and then I'm done working and, Maybe I want to use my desk to take some pictures for work or something, or I'm just going to work on the Chromebook on something else, and I just push it against the wall, and it's, like, out of the way. It's not, like, there's no stand taking up space. It's just sort of against the wall, like a picture hanging almost. Yeah, I found it honestly really, really helps with taking pictures. I can kind of just throw a device on my desk and get a pretty good angle because my desk is situated in front of two two big windows, yeah. whereas before the stand was pretty bulky because this is a large monitor. Um yeah, so so now I have way more space. In term in terms of the monitor itself, it was I'm gonna write about it at some point. Um, BenQ sent it to me to review. Mm-hmm. I probably won't do a review because I don't review monitors, but it's the first 4K external monitor I've ever owned. So I think I'll probably do a story at some point, um, just explaining what that experience has been like. Specifically, uh, that experience on Mac, I think, is worth talking about because I know we yeah. both had display issues that I wanted to get into because I think it's one of the more interesting things I've learned about my work from home setup. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go or do you want to go? No, go for it. You you know more about the whole scaling thing than I do for sure. Okay, so we both have 4K displays. Um, and we both use Macs. So to run your Mac in 4K is not very easy. Um, it kind of will, and like you will, you'll always get a crisp image more or less. But to get it scaled properly, um, and to get it running at it, and I guess an impressive frame rate or, or an acceptable frame rate. No, except it always runs in an acceptable frame rate. Frame rate, but to run it something impressive, you need to sort of know these tweaks. So for me, I have the 2016 MacBook Pro. It has four USB-C ports. The two ports on the left, if I plug a HDMI adapter and an HDMI, and I use that to my monitor, even if it's a 4K HDMI port, uh, or even if it's a 4K HDMI cord, for me, it will still not give me Apple's proper scaling options for 4K displays. I needed to buy a specific USB-C to HDMI cable that would do 60 hertz and 4K, and it has to be plugged in on the left-hand side of my computer. If it's plugged in on so the right hand side, it's you get the old scaling options where it's like 1920 by 1080p uh, and all the different uh, dimensions laid out, as opposed to Apple's more streamlined where it says you know smaller, regular, large, larger. So you can sort of adjust the font and the icon sizes without, I guess, decreasing the quality of the image. 
Yeah, I never, so I didn't run into that issue because I have a slightly newer MacBook Pro. I think mine's from 2017, whereas yours is the 2016. Yeah. I really, really am looking forward to the inevitable 2020 um, MacBook Pro with a butterfly keyboard because um, this thing's still still doing pretty good. But now that I have like this 4K monitor set up and I'm editing a lot of photos and video and audio in some cases, um, it really does start to chug at certain points, but yeah, I, I, I scale it. Like I scale it down to two, five sixty by 1440. Um, because if I don't, I just can't see anything on that 4k monitor. It makes everything look way too small on this big, huge canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's a really cool feature built into Mac OS that I didn't, I don't even think the first like week or so that I used the monitor, I didn't even really realize what was happening. I didn't understand that the monitor was in 4k itself. It's just scaling um the actual user interface features so like your menus and your text and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah it's um it does it well when everything cord wise works you know yes and even usb-c like i had to order this cord of amazon i have like nine different usb-c to c cords and i guess all of them are for charging in this house except for one that does display like it's just super annoying like i was unplugging things and nothing was working yeah that's the horrible part of USB-C. like the dream was like one port to rule them all but that's truly not how it worked out at all no not really uh do you have any other tweaks or like stuff that you've sort of set up for your mom yeah i mean i i the monitor itself that i have um it, i use it for gaming because i have like my xbox and my uh xbox one x and my ps4 pro um up here as well where Pretty much all I play is Apex. We'll we'll talk about that later though, um, because the monitor also supports HDR10, which is mm-hmm. kind of nice because I can like have all this stuff in one place and it's kind of like my command center where I spend most of my life now apparently. Nice. Um, but the monitor is the EW3280. It is 32 inches, like I assumed, um, and it supports HDR10, but it doesn't have like Dolby Vision or anything like that. I think. The thing, the thing with monitors that I've noticed, and it's, it's a bit of a blind spot for me in the tech space, is getting a 4K monitor that also has HDR is extremely hard to find. And then on top of that, when you do find it, it costs a stupid amount of money. Yeah. Um, mine has like HDR, but I don't think it's actually HDR10 rated or and Stephanie not Dolby Vision. It's yeah. just like it says it has some sort of HDR implementation, but it's not very good and. And it oftentimes ends up making things look weird. I have to like turn it off the HDR effect that it has. This one barely has like it, it just hits the minimum required for HDR 10 to my understanding. So it's like the very the very bare minimum um, that you need. Nice. Does it have a higher refresh rate or is it like 90, 60, 120? I'd assume if it's, if it's so gaming. It, it's not a gaming monitor. Oh, it okay. just has a standard. I'm going to look it up because I don't want to like say the wrong refresh rate but i th- i believe it's just 60 hertz yeah that's a minus two i think 4k getting higher than that is, is hard and i don't know if many people even have computers that are pushing games at 4k higher than 60 anyway well I, I don't really play pc games every once in a while i think about upgrading my large desktop that sits under my workspace that i really don't use that often no. um Same. and if i were to do that i think refresh rates would be more of a concern for me but because I mostly just play stuff on console and even when next gen drops, I know there's going to be a whole variable ref- refresh rate thing. Maybe I'll care a little bit more then, but 
but yeah, it's it's 60 hertz. For, for now, like, I'm okay with 60 hertz. Yeah, that's a minus two, and it's fine. Although my PC for gaming isn't, like, I think I can play Apex close to 60, but Call of Duty not even close. It's, like, 30 to 40. I don't even know if I could play Apex. I, I, I got to be able to, like... I spent a fair amount of money upgrading this thing probably three years ago when all the VR VR headsets were dropping. So like the HTC Vive and Mm -hmm. the Oculus Rift. Uh, So I think if I were to go through the specs, I should be able to like Apex is a nice looking game, but I don't think it pushes enough graphically to make it not be playable on a little bit by design, of course, too. Right. They want it to be playable on as many PCs as possible. It runs Um, really, really well for me on PC. Nice. I think I think it would work for me. I don't know for sure. Um, one thing I was going to say, what was it? Oh, I just had it. You were talking about building your PC a few years ago. Damn it, I lost it. We'll just move past it because I can't think of it <laughs> again. Sorry. Um, In terms of my home office, though, like that's yeah. that's pretty much it. I mean, I did uh, a fair amount of like rearranging of the office with my partner over the last couple of weeks like so mm-hmm. uh the way we had it set up at one point was like we both have these tiny very very cheap ikea desks like the cheapest i don't, I don't know what they're called but i'm sure anyone who's been to ikea knows what i'm talking about like the smallest cheapest desk four legs you're good to go less than 60 dollars, i think after it's all said and done um and we had them like in two separate corners of the office and my partner's desk was attached to a shelf. We tried all these different complicated setups. And then one day um, she suggested, why don't we just turn this shelf on its side and use it as a desk? So now we have this shelf in the middle on its side and these two identical Ikea de- desks on, on both sides. So it kind of gives you like this little little nook, like a corner where you have double the desk real estate, um, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with. I, th- I think it worked out quite well. There's a few things I want to change. Like I'd like to get legs for one side of the desk so that we don't have to have a cabinet holding it up anymore oh but, i did that with um, my ikea desk at one point i want i want to do that but like ordering legs from ikea right now costs 60 dollars just for the delivery life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com because yeah, not worth it because you can't they don't have um like canadian tire and other stores have like you can order stuff online go pick it up i've been doing that a lot but you can't do that with um with ikea it's all delivery only and for whatever reason ikea considers just two legs two legs to be like a parcel so you have to pay the parcel delivery price the one thing i have like my desk is from ikea as well and the one and i think the ones we use at work are i mean i'm sure 98 percent of the world's desks are from oh, ikea they're 100 percent ikea <laughs> um yeah the leg issue i've been having and i was seeing other people talk about this and like i've been doing home office like uh reddits and people have been looking for like stability, like they've been trying to find the stablest legs. And uh, I don't have an answer for you yet, but uh, if if I find it, I'll be excited and I'll like, keep posting well, now that I know you're looking. That's an issue I have now um, that I have this arm set up. All the weight is in one side of the desk, so I mm-hmm. like it's an IKEA desk, so it's like cheap junk board, not real wood. So I had to put like a piece of actual wood underneath it to mount the arm on. A ton of pressure behind it you can kind of see like the wood has these indents in it and the desk when i'm typing does wobble a little bit 
And yeah. I think the only way around that would be to like literally attach the desk to the wall with some sort of like L bracket, uh, yeah. bracket or something but, like that. And I, I don't want to get into that because we may move desks around and stuff like that. But I think that's for me anyways, in terms yeah. of this desk, that's the only option that I have. Yeah, I've been thinking about trying to add more weight to mine, but I don't really know how. I just have like the adjustable like sort of pipe legs. And oh, that's uh, what I have minus minus the adjustableness. It's just like the very most basic uh, legs that Ikea sells. Nice. I also have two different colors. I have two grays and two blacks, you know, oh, depending that's on which two I want at the front. Switch in my desk look. <laughs> I thought that would be a good idea. Never <laughs> change awesome. it. Put them in. Never change them. Um, but yeah, the only other I thing I have for my home office is I bought these little baskets at Dollarama the other day. Um, you can order stuff like that online. And just having a couple of little baskets on your desk, I felt helps me keep like, you know, my dongles and SD cards, SD card readers, the chapstick, uh, phone All chargers, important chapstick. All sorts of like random desk clutter. It still stays cluttered, but it's in a little basket that you can sort of push into a corner. Or me, I have it slid under my laptop stand. And I, uh, huge props to, I think it was like a Gizmodo video or something. It was like, get one of the, get a desk tray. And I was like, oh, that seems cool. And yeah, it's, it's been really helpful. Nice. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Like I have, I already talked about it. Like I have a wireless charger and my Xbox controller on here. But generally in terms of work, like I think I've covered most of what I've done to make myself more comfortable at home. I think the one thing is I'm quite thankful that I bought a pretty good office chair like weeks before mm. uh, social distancing was mandating. And I was joking uh, that I was buying this specifically because I was worried I was going to be locked in my house for months because the chair that I had prior to this was horrible and I already have back issues. I have a herniated disc and it was getting worse and worse the more I work from home. So, I mean if you're able to buy a chair, like that's one of the, I think the key things to making work from working from home more comfortable. How much did you spend? So I have a terror. I happen to be someone with a terrible chair. Um, and I spent a qu- quite a bit of money more than I was comfortable with. But do you um, think it was worth investing that? Like you, you feel like you got the chair. It's super high quality. It's going to last you a long time. Like I'm, I'm happy with it. Like I'm not, I'm not upset that I dropped that much money on it. The idea with this one, because I've gone through so many office chairs of the year, because I always get like the cheapest thing around and then regret it and then end up buying something more expensive. So this time I tried to go with like one that was pretty pricey. What I ended up getting was the uh, Ikea Marcus office chair. Mm -hmm. It's 169 in Canada, which is a little bit more than what I would like to spend on a chair, let alone anything really. Um, but, but I'm happy with it. It's kind of like those pro gamer chairs without the horrible colors. Um, I think the only thing that I'm, I'm, I'm missing is that I can't adjust the arms on the desk on, on the chair. That would be Mm -hmm. nice if I could like raise the arms a little bit, but, uh, other than that, I've been happy with it. It's super comfortable. Yeah. That's something I've definitely been wondering. I mean, I sit in this chair every day and I'm just like, Oh, it sucks. But like, do I want to spend? Yeah. Like probably what it's taxed 200 bucks on a chair. Like, Especially with delivery. Like it, it's, it's a pricey proposition to get a chair right now. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably just suffer it out, but that's, yeah, for me, that's the missing piece of my work from home puzzle is, is a nice chair. I think. So, so I think that's probably enough about our sick work from home setups. Oh, um, wait, sorry. Before oh, we, we got go another ahead, one. I just want to say the monitor arm I have is the Amazon Basics one, and I do recommend it. I think it's it's really cheap, but it worked really well for me, and it's not as it's not as good as or as free moving as yours. But just in case people were wondering which one I did buy, it was the Amazon Basic one, and I'm happy. With I was it. I was gonna buy yours. I had it in my cart, and I was so close to pressing buy. Um, yeah, I, I think it was like, like forty bucks. What, 
from what you've shown me and like the pictures I've seen of your desk setup, like it definitely gets the job done. Yeah, you exactly. don't need something like what I got. Um, mine's probably a little bit overkill for the average like work from home setup, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy with it as well. But yeah, I think just if people are going to walk away from this and anything, it's like if you're looking to clearing up your desk clutter a little bit, get a little basket, get this $30, $40 Amazon arm, and uh, you'll be happier. Life will be better, I promise. So in terms of cameras, yep, I know you are currently working on a story that's taking a look at various DSLRs from different manufacturers. Uh, mirrorless. Mirrorless, sorry. Mirrorless cameras from, from different manufacturers. For, for me, cameras are always this thing that like, the only time I know anything about them is when I'm buying one. I do like extensive research. I look at all of these different YouTubers reviews, all these different camera websites. And then after I find the camera I want, I'm good for the next four, three, three, four years, something like that. Right. And then I don't start paying attention to camera news until I need to again. Um, And for me, I have the, uh, Panasonic Lumix G85 for my purposes. Um, it's a mirrorless micro four thirds camera. Pretty happy with it. Uh, it still does what I need to do. It shoots 4K video um, at a great frame rate. Um, I've I used to have some issues with the sensor being a little bit smaller, which is like a running thing with every micro four thirds camera. You generally need more light to get a good shot. Yeah. Uh, I've purchased like prime lenses for it. I'm happy with it. I think the only problem I have with the camera is the fact that it's grip like you know the the rubber grip on the side is starting to peel off a little bit and that's likely just from my sweaty hand at events having it like locked into this clutch pointing at phones trying to shoot everything myself um but generally i'm happy with it in terms of what's going on with cameras now though do you want to just give us an update because i know that's been something that you've been researching for the last little bit yeah so as i've been stuck at home just as i get bored i start like researching things mostly products because that's what I do. Um, and I have an older Canon EOS M5 mirrorless that I've had for two, a little over two years now. Um, and it's starting to show it, show its age. It only does 1080p. So I was like, oh, I kind of want to look into like what's new in the camera market. And the more I learned, the more I realized that like I don't really have a lot of familiarity with brands outside of Canon and maybe touching your Olympus a little bit. So like Sony, Fuji, Olympus, you know, those are outside of my wheelhouse. So I was just trying to think of some ideas of ways that I could play around with some cameras and write a story that would be interesting. And so it sort of settled on this idea for lower cost mirrorless cameras. So I think the goal would be to have all of them to come with a lens for under $1,500, but aiming close to $1,000. Um, because I think that's sort of the sweet spot for this sort of uh, transition point between amateur photography to a higher level. Um, having you know interchangeable lenses and and raw photos and those types of things uh, viewfinders I don't know 4K video um, but yeah so so far I've got the Fujifilm XT200 which is their recent Fujifilm mirrorless camera it has an APS-C sensor so it's slightly larger than the micro four thirds um, and so far in terms of like photos and videos it's been fantastic it's super good. Um, how much does that one run, roughly? I think like twelve hundred bucks with nice, the kit lens. Yeah, and this lens even alone, the lens on this, like the kit lens from this Fuji, and I don't know if this is for everybody, but in my comparison, the kit lens on the Fuji, which is a fourteen or a fifteen, fifteen to forty-five, which is the exact same as on my Canon, and it blows it away. It's crazy how much better it is. Um, just in terms of clarity, it's wild. 
and then the 4K video, which is a huge thing. And I guess like getting 4K video is the big thing that I've been looking at on these lower cost cameras because it's something I don't have and something I think I kind of want going forward. Does that mean you're going to start, like, I, I know you, between you and I, we do most of the video stuff on the site, which we're hoping to start doing more of. Um, is 4K something you're going to start shooting in, you think? Yeah, so I think the goal for me is, I don't know if I would buy the X-T200, although I am starting to, like, sort of fall for these Fuji cameras, um, just because it's some of the features in the step above the X-T30, or I'm hoping an X-T40 will come out very shortly, if I, if my hunch is correct. Um, will just be that like three or four or five hundred dollars more, and offer you know like weather protection, more stabilization, more video profiles, uh, f log, and more like of those things. Um, but yeah, this one shoots in 4K, and I'm super happy with it. And I have been shooting the Chrome video that I'm doing with it. Um, and yeah, it's it's been really nice. Although my PC is not enjoying that at all. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I've stayed away from 4K. Is I don't think like. I could probably edit 4K video on my 100% top of the line MacBook Pro from 2017 if it wasn't connected to my 4K monitor, which kind of defeats the purpose of editing 4K video to begin with. Um, but with it connected, it just chugs. That's why I've never, I've never tried to mess around with it. But I think what interests me the most with 4K video is maybe not necessarily like doing a review or a video of some sort um, with 4K being the native resolution of the full video, being able to crop in a little bit, right? Like yeah. doing the same thing that I do with photography where I'll often take a photo much farther out than I think it is. And then I crop it into exactly um, the perspective and the aspect ratio that I want. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it just, even when you do downscale it, I find like it just looks a little nicer. Um, and just in terms of like, I guess this is more subjective, but in terms of these two cameras, uh, the newer XD200 is a lot better. So maybe that's where I'm seeing the, the improvements more. Nice. Um, so yeah. I, I think the, the only thing else that I wanted to sort of shoot out there in terms of cameras is like every time I go to an Apple event, every time I go to a Google event, pretty much any manufacturer, the thing that they're always touting, and any smartphone manufacturer, sorry, the thing that they're always touting is that this camera is so good, you're not going to need a DSLR. Like that was the big thing at the Pixels launch. Apple says this in pretty much every briefing I've ever been to. Yeah. And Wall there's some truth there's some truth to it, 100%. There's some truth to it. The the photos that um an iPhone is capable of taking now, the photos that a, a Samsung S-series phone uh like pretty much every high-end phone takes really 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 good photos now that are going to be great for the average person. Um but I think the thing that they always miss is like for people people like us like I, I know you can download manual camera apps for a phone but i've never found it to be the same experience as having all of these settings and all of this control including aperture shutter speed iso when you're using whether it's a dslr a micro four thirds camera a mirrorless camera um it, it's just not the same and i don't think that these companies realize that uh, it might be fine for the average person, but on a professional level, we're not going to get the same results. Yeah, on a professional level, it's almost like, yeah, DSLRs are going out the door, but they're being replaced by mirrorless cameras, not by phones, unfortunately, which is still a step down in size. I wish 
this was a video podcast so I could hold like a DSLR and a mirrorless up because a mirrorless <laughs> camera is, is about half the size almost, maybe a little bigger, but it's they're really small by comparison. Um, That's why I went mirrorless micro four thirds because I was tired of carrying around my large, my massive Canon camera. So I dumped like my Canon and all of my lenses, I think three years ago and picked up the, the micro four thirds Lumix G85 that I was talking about earlier and a couple lenses, not, not a bunch, just like two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, that served the type of photography that I do at mobile syrup all the time. Uh, and that was why I did it was because I didn't want to carry around these big cameras anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a dream. Like, I mean, I go to sleep with a smile on my face when I'm dreaming about showing up to a press event with like an iPad and a phone. And I just like snap a picture and write an article on <laughs> an iPad. And it's just like, I don't know, they drop a smoke bomb and disappear out of there. But like, it's That's never going to happen. The, exactly. Like, I don't know when. Well, not never, but I don't know when it's going to happen. Just the interchangeable lenses, I don't know how they shrink them down. I mean, there's like those moment lenses. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That like clip onto phones? Uh, yeah, I've I played around with those. I, I know Igor, who used to work for Mobile Serve, would write about them quite frequently. Yeah, I, I've never found that they were very good, to be honest. They were cool, though, and they were better than, I think, without the lens, you know? Like, they did sure. add that functionality that adding a lens to the camera would have, not to the quality of a mirrorless or DSLR. Um, but maybe that's where we see improvements in the future, is these, like, moto-mod moment type of camera attachments that's like, you're a professional, now you show up with your tablet, your phone, and your little mod that you stick on, you screw it onto your iPhone, your camera lens. Yeah, that will never I, happen. I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I want I want absolutely no part of this dystopian future you're describing. <laughs> so I think I'm I'm gonna cut it at that point and, and we should hit um we should hit what games we're playing right now. So, I mean, I I can uh, start it off. I haven't really been playing anything new. Mm-hmm. I find that um, I'm playing a ton of Apex still, mostly because I've, uh, to a certain extent, reconnected with a couple of friends from high school that are also bored out of their mind. And we've, we've played probably um, like at least a couple hours a night every few days. I'm getting quite good at the game. Nice. Um, my, my kill to death ratio is still not the greatest, but... I've I've talked about it before, and I think this is probably the best I've been at a video game since the Halo series. Uh, like I'm getting getting top three finishes in nearly every match, unless I do a hot drop and I get knocked out in the first little bit. Um, of course, I'm playing on Xbox. I cannot do the whole mouse keyboard thing. Like that's not what I grew up playing. Don't um, tell anyone, but I play on PC with or, yeah, I play on PC with a controller that's like my favorite story that still seems so insane to me but i mean i would i would probably do the same thing if i wanted to play with my friends right like that's the platform they're on yeah i i cannot use a mouse and keyboard everybody tells me it's easy and i try to explain to them that like that wasn't a thing for me growing up i always had consoles i grew up playing halo i grew up playing goldeneye those are like my formative games i play first holding a controller yeah like I don't know. I it's it's the way it is for me. Um, yeah. There's there's not a lot to talk about with Apex. Um, Dean I said knew... a new trailer just came out as we've been recording this podcast. He messaged us. I don't know if you saw, but the, a new trailer came out. I think with a character, not a new battle pass. Oh, with a new character. Yeah, the uh, the battle pass season. I think what are we on season four? It's it's rounding up. Um, I think it has a couple weeks left. There's no way I'm gonna finish it like usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new have game. You been mode. Buying them? 
I have. I have. I bought the last two. Okay, I bought cool. season. No, I have. So I bought season two and I bought season four. So I, I usually buy them like if I know I'm going to play the game a lot. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing that I found interesting is there's a new game type that they like a limited game type. That's something that respawns um, been doing is throwing these like creative games to try to spice up the experience a little bit uh, just dropped where. So in this game type, everybody has level one shields. And you can't find any shields on the actual map itself. So it kind of levels the playing field to an extent, Mm -hmm. but it also ruins the game um, in some ways because I feel like hunting down the loot is part of the experience. And sure, you can still find guns, you can still find ammo, you can still find hop ups and stuff like that. But the fact that every single person has the same shields, I mean, it to an extent, it just ruins like the magic of the game for me. Yeah, there's something um, about strategizing based upon the gear that you have. You're like, okay, we have like two purples and a gold, and let's just go into yeah. these guys. And as opposed to being like, oh, this is gonna be even. I guess maybe your strategy either way. I, I haven't played it yet. It sounds interesting though. It's cool. I, I find that people either play incredibly cautiously or super aggressively, which doesn't work for me because I fall in between. Right, like game, battle royale games like Apex are are sort of situational, right? Do you go mm-hmm. in? Do you hang back? That's how I play. I play something in between aggressive and, and cautiously. Um, but I will say that you get a ton of kills. Like if you do a hot drop and you get a gun that's nice and everybody else still has just the P2020 starter, you're going to get a ton of kills very quickly. That's fair. That makes sense. Uh, so I know you've been playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, which is awesome. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So yeah, the other day, I want to say on the weekend maybe saturday maybe sunday i was laying in bed i was like i want to play roller coaster tycoon on my phone i know there's got to be a mobile port it's 2020 go in there's a couple uh download one play on my phone like, this isn't very good um but then as i've been saying i've been doing this chromebook story you can run android apps on chromebooks and people say you can't game on chromebooks well you can you just have to run <laughs> roller coaster tycoon through the android app and you're good to go um and this Acer, you can see it, but no one else can. This Acer Spin 13, the screen folds around. It's one of those bad boys. And boom, stylus pops out of the bottom. You know what's great for Roller Coaster Tycoon? Placing those like intricate roller coasters and paths? Stylus. Game-changing maneuver. Um, is it is it adapted? Like, Have they updated it to work with a stylus? Yeah, so it's updated for touch, right? So if you oh, just use the stylus and you're just touching that's with amazing. the stylus. Um, I believe I played, if you used an iPad, you would use an Apple Pencil. Um, but I'm not done through the through the the history of my last four days of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Android app on the Chromebook, sweet. Breaking down walls, breaking down boundaries, gaming on Chromebook. Nobody thought it could be done. Brad Bennett <laughs> did it. But then I'm like carrying that around at night, like trying to play Roller Coaster Tycoon. But carrying around like a four pound Chromebook isn't very good. Um, but Samsung sent over the Samsung Galaxy Tab S6 Lite, which is like their base level 400 some dollar iPad uh, competitor. And originally I was like, this is very slow. But once you actually start playing a game on it or like writing or drawing in the coloring app, it also has a stylus, which I should mention. Um, It runs really, really fluidly, like no lag whatsoever in the games. No, like Alex has been drawing on it, no lag whatsoever. It's weird because the interface is kind of slow and then you get into something and it's just like super normal. Um, but then I started gaming on that roller coaster tycoon on the tablet, still playing the mobile version until I realized there's a mod community for roller coaster tycoon on oh, Windows. No. It's all over now. <laughs> and so now you can download this. You have to download roller coaster tycoon two 
uh, which you can get for like six bucks. And then you download Open Roller Coaster Tycoon, which is like a mod level that's like recoded a lot of this stuff within it so that a lot of the glitches are fixed. There's like a day-night cycle with like really nice like intricate lighting. That's um, awesome. And you can download custom-built maps and scenarios from the web. So like someone will make this like bay and be like, your grandmother left you. Like they'll like do the Stardew Valley scenario, but instead of a farm, it's a roller coaster park. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, and so I've been now playing the computer one again because of that. But that tablet one and the ability to like just walk around with that little cheap tablet and pen and play roller coaster tycoon has been fantastic i played a ton of roller coaster tycoon as a kid and i also got really back into it when it dropped on ios a couple years ago i think it was 2016 yeah i think so it was all i did for quite some time I, i probably wrote about it on the site at some point um but yeah, that that mobile port of the game is probably one of the best like retro revival ports I've ever played. If you so if you bought it before, you should try and download it on your iPad because like seriously, iPad with the pencil or the Samsung with the stylus, it's just like so you feel like an artist as you're like building the park. <laughs> tap 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 tap. Like you double tap with the pen to like drop stuff in. Like you're a roller there, coaster like, artist. Mm, and delete that tree. Oh, let's turn it into a magnolia tree. It's like popping in. Man, like it, it's That's so great. satisfying. Um, but yeah, and then all my friends have kind of gotten back into it. Like I kept in my Discord chat, kept being really close to Tycoon, and people started losing it. And we're trying to like come up with uh, competitive ways to play where we all start on the same map and see who can make like the nicest park. That's a good time. idea. Yeah, it's been really really fun. Like I, I mean, I feel like every week within the quarantine, I kind of shift to a different game. You know, like Apex, Animal Crossing, Call of Duty, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Who knows what's next? Um, but yeah, it, it's this has been one that's really fun because it's something that all of my friends have played before. So I like I call people up, be like, I'm playing Roller Coaster Tycoon again, and everyone's like, Oh my god, I just play it, and I get it. And uh, so it's been like social that way, as opposed to social playing online like you are with Apex, but still social, which has been nice. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. Be sure to drop us a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. It really helps with the ranking of the show. You can find me on Twitter at at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and, of course, on mobilesyrup.com. I just dropped a story about a cannabis growing, automated cannabis growing device uh, called the Grobo that I have been sort of working on for probably the last year and a half or so. So check that out. Thank you. Fantastic Thank you. Pictures. It was uh it was a little hard to shoot and I took a kind of weird cluttered one in my garage for the header, but I, like I wanted that to one. Sh- I liked it a lot. I wanted to show off kind of like how this would fit into someone's life who is interested in growing cannabis. But yeah, I won't get into that. We don't have time for it. Just check out the story. I put a fair amount of work into it. Um there's pictures from all kinds of different eras of the growing process because I've really used this device for quite some time, roughly a year and a half. And uh, so, yeah, Brad, where can people find you? Uh, as always, you can follow me just about anywhere at the Brad Fad, you know, Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, wherever. And, and you on have mobilesyrup.com, you... we can read my work. <laughs> and you have a Chrome OS story and video dropping at some point in the near future, right? Yeah, I have. I don't know. We haven't worked this out yet, but it may end up being the story slightly before the video just because I got a gimbal and that's not easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, Nice, but, fair enough. But yeah, it's coming. I mean, I've got some thoughts on Chrome OS. I think it's really good, and I think a lot of people can use it. That's sort of the gist of it. And uh, then after that, maybe some camera stuff to look out for. 
Cool. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening.